Well, as I said earlier, we've been going through this series uh, that we have titled Before Bethlehem. And what sparked the series was we asked the question, so what was Jesus doing before he was born? Right? I mean, what was he doing? I mean, was he just sitting on a beach somewhere doing nothing? No, it's like he was active and he was busy. And we've been looking at these theophanies, these images that you see here before you, that you see here in this picture. And a theophany is this theological word, and this is the, really the description of that. It's a manifestation of God that is tangible to the human senses. And we've been looking at God as the word, God as the mighty warrior, God as our defender, God as the defender of all mankind. We see God also as a king, as we learned last week. And tonight, we're going to be looking at something a little bit different. We're going to be looking at God as a baby. We're going to be looking at another one of these Christophanies, another theological word. Really, it's the pre-incarnate appearances of Christ. But tonight, it isn't about the pre-incarnate Christ. It's about the incarnate Christ. That word incarnation means really a deity becoming man. And that's what we see tonight in the story. We see God becoming man. Tonight's story brings us into Bethlehem, into a time where God comes and becomes one of us. He becomes human. Not just in a human, not around a human, But as a human, God becomes man. He becomes one of us. The stable stinks like all stables do. The stench of urine, dung, and sheep reeks pungently in the air. The ground is hard, the hay scarce. Cobwebs cling to the ceiling, and a mouse scurries across the dirt floor. A more lowly place of birth could not exist. Off to one side sit a group of shepherds. They sit silently on the floor, perhaps perplexed, perhaps in awe, no doubt in amazement. Their night watch had been interrupted by an explosion of light from heaven and a symphony of angels. Near the young mother sits a weary father. If anyone is dozing, he is. He can't remember the last time he sat down. And now the excitement has subsided a bit. Now that Mary and the baby are comfortable, he leans against the wall of the stable and feels his eyes grow heavy. He still hasn't figured it all out. The mystery of the event puzzles him, but he hasn't the energy to wrestle with questions. What's important is that the baby is fine and that Mary is safe. As sleep comes, he remembers the name the angel told him to use, Jesus. We will call him Jesus. You know, at Christmas, it is hard not to get distracted Distracted by all the shopping, by all the reservations, by all the the presents that we have to buy that maybe we still have yet to buy this evening that we have to rush out and get. We're so distracted. Sadly, this afternoon as I'm on my way here, I see someone coming around a corner with a dish. I, I, I presume they were taking to an event. And as they turn the corner, the dish falls off the car and splatters into the roadway. And they keep going. and They don't even realize what they've lost. We can become so distracted by Christmas that we can forget the true meaning of Christmas. That Christmas is really 
about a baby. And it's not just any baby, mind you. It's the very Son of God. The Son of God incarnate, coming and becoming a man, becoming one of us to restore the relationship between God and man. The story of Christmas is about a baby. You know, oftentimes as we look at the Christmas story, we think of this story oftentimes and we, see, we hear it so often that it can kind of fade into this category of fairy tale or something that maybe happened, but we're not sure. But we're told in the scriptures as we're told by the gospel writers, Matthew and Luke and John and Mark, that these things actually happened to real people, that this is an historical account about, about real people. I love that story, that section, that excerpt of that story written by Max Lucado because it reminds us, it gives us this marvelous picture that the Christmas story is about people. It's about real people. It's about a baby. But I chose that excerpt and that story because it focuses on a character in the story that is not often talked about, Joseph. Tonight, I'd briefly like to look at this Christmas story from Joseph's perspective. Did you know that there are no spoken words of Joseph recorded in the Bible? Nothing Joseph said is ever written in the Bible. But that doesn't mean that Joseph can't teach us something about this baby. So tonight, as I said, I'd briefly like to look at Joseph to see what he can teach us and what we can learn about this baby from him. We heard read earlier Matthew's account of the, of the nativity story. And Matthew's account there in, in chapter 1 is really told from, Matthew, or from Joseph's perspective. We see that story from Joseph's perspective. And in that story, in those verses, we see that Joseph is called a just man. You could translate that a righteous man. In the Hebrew, a righteous man would have been called a Sadiq. What Matthew's trying to tell us is something more than Joseph was just a good guy. Joseph was a guy who lived by every letter of the law. When the law said you dress like this, you eat like this, you associate with this kind of people, this is how you wear your hair, you obey the Sabbath, you do everything. Joseph is being identified as a man who did everything that the law required. And he did so every day of his life. That's what Matthew's telling us about Joseph. That's the kind of man Joseph is. He lived by every letter of the law. Now, knowing that about Joseph, knowing that he would have been a well-respected man in his community, everybody would have recognized him as a Sadiq. He was a unique individual. It would have been an honor next to a priest that would have been the next highest honor to have been called a Sadiq. As you think about Joseph from that regard, I'd like you to put yourself into his shoes for a moment. And I'd like to ask you to think about what you would do when your betrothed comes to you and says that she's pregnant and that you are not the father. Now, betrothal in Joseph's time is not the same thing as the engagements that we have today. 
Betrothal in Joseph's time was a legal binding contract. Mary and Joseph were as good as married. And the only way out of that contract was through death or divorce. That's the only way. And during that time, if you were to find your spouse, your wife, pregnant by another man, the Torah says you're to put her to death. You're to take her publicly to her father's door. You're to accuse her of her adultery because that's what it would be, adultery. You would accuse her before her father in the entire town and you would say what she is. And if she didn't protest or deny it, she was to be put to death right there, stoned to death on her father's doorsteps. If she protests, if she denies it, there's a whole other ritual about drinking bitter waters. And if she survives that ritual, she's still considered an outcast, no better than a leper, a tax collector, a sinner. That's what Mary would be. Now you're Joseph. What do you do? Do you take her to her father's door? Do you believe her story? That she was not with another man, that she has conceived by the Holy Spirit? Remember, you're a Sadiq. You do everything the Torah tells you to do. There's really no choice for you here. If you're a true Sadiq, you take her to her father's doorstep and you accuse her of being an adulteress. What does Joseph do? What does Joseph do that night? We're told in the story that Joseph doesn't do that. He does something uncharacteristic of a just man, of a Sadiq. He says he decides that he will divorce her secretly, in quiet. Not something the Torah allows. But he decides he will do this for her sake. For her sake, he will do this. Something very uncharacteristic of a just man. You know, the Bible scholar Scott McKnight puts it like this. He said, Joseph chooses love over the letter of the law. Joseph chooses compassion over condemnation. And Joseph chooses sacrifice over self-interest and his own safety. And here's the amazing thing. He does all of that before the angel visits him. In the story, we're told that he contemplated these things, and that word there means he was angry about it, and he really struggled over this. And we're not told how long he did this. But we're told that he decided on his own that he would not do what the law said that he would have compassion on Mary. And he would not condemn her, but he would do something else. And he did that before the angel visited him and told him to take Mary as his wife. What does that mean? What am I getting at? Well, you know, when I was a year old, 
my mom and my birth father divorced. And they raised me as, my mom raised me as a single parent. And she did that for the next nine years. And shortly before I turned 10 years old, she married a man. And he became my adopted father. And it was a couple years after that, about 12 years old, that he adopted me. And I took his name. And I became known as his son. Now, here's a picture of my mom and dad. And I think if you look at my dad, you could say, I really don't look anything like him. <laughs> right? And you might even say, I don't really look anything like my mom. Because my mom was redhead and fair-skinned. And I don't look anything like her, but she'll tell you I look just like my birth father. But just because I don't look like them doesn't mean that I'm not like them. Because from them, I was taught what compassion looked like. I was taught what a marriage looks like. I was taught what the sacrifice of a parent looks like. My mom tells you that I learned how to drive from my dad. She says my dad never saw a car that he didn't want to pass. And I can tell you my children inherited their driving skills from their mother. <laughs> so what am I getting at here? You see, we're told in this story that Mary and Joseph raised Jesus. That Mary and Joseph raised the Christ child. So when we see Jesus in the New Testament... We see Mary and Joseph because God entrusted his son into their care. He entrusted his one and only son to be raised and nurtured by Joseph and Mary, by a young, faithful Jewish girl, full of courage, and a man named Joseph, a Sadiq who not only lived by the letter of the law, but he lived by the spirit of the law. A man who was shaped by the law. A man who would have raised Jesus and he would have taught him about God's law and God's justice. He would have taught him about God's love and his mercy, about God's generosity and God's sacrifice. He would have raised Jesus as his own. And the man we see in the New Testament named Jesus would have been shaped by these two young, faithful people. And so when we see Jesus, we really see Mary and Joseph. We see who these two really are. So while Joseph was a man of few words, we learn a lot about Joseph by looking at Jesus. We see Jesus in Mary and Joseph, but you know what's even more amazing? Is that we see Jesus in Mary and Joseph. See, Mary and Joseph were faithful children of the Word. It is the Word that would have shaped them. And we learn from John, the apostle, in his gospel in the very first chapter, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The Word of God 
is Jesus. It is Jesus who would have shaped the lives of Mary and Joseph. When we look at Jesus, we see Mary and Joseph. The word that became flesh shaped and nurtured the faith of this man, Joseph. And in turn, Joseph nurtured and shaped the man we see in the New Testament, Jesus. Christmas story. The Christmas story is about God entrusting this young couple with the most precious gift to nurture his faith, to grow him into the man the world needed. They cooperated faithfully with God the Father to raise this young man into the Messiah that would change history, that would save the world. He gave them the responsibility of nurturing Jesus. And to be people who shared this Christmas story with the world, with anyone that would listen. To anyone who would listen, they would tell them about the true heart of God the Father and just how much he loves his creation and to the lengths that he would go to do that. God is still doing that today. Tonight, he's entrusting each of us with the same Christmas story. He's calling each of us to be children of the story. And to do that, we need to take a page out of Joseph's book and out of Mary's book, and we must become children of the book, children of the story, so that we share this story with our children and with anyone that will listen. To tell the story about how God became a baby, took on our flesh and became man and lived a perfect life as a human being and gave that perfect life for each of us. Selflessly, he did that for us so that we could call God our father. This little baby born in Bethlehem, this infant child born in Bethlehem, that's the Christmas story. God becoming like us so that we could become like his son. Merry Christmas, everyone. Would you pray with me?